the late 80s, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast Pat Trek. My continuing mission to introduce my friend Patrick to the best show that ever ran on television and to boldly go where millions of white guys with glasses have gone before. Hello, welcome back to Pat Trek. This is the show where my friend Pat O'Rourke... That's me. Yeah. Tim over there introduces me, Patrick Winnegar. That's you. That's me over here to Star Trek The Next Generation. It's yeah. a show that I've not seen. And I've seen it a ton of times. And I love this show. And this episode in particular is really interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah? What did you think of it? It was all right. It was all right? Yeah. Uh, I had some issues with it that we'll get into later. Mm-hmm. But they did bring up something that we talk about on the show a lot. The Prime Directive. Yeah, yeah. And... um. We talk about it so much, and I don't feel like I've ever given you a good answer. I reached out to Mission Log, a podcast that is um, has experts about Star Trek talking about it every week. They've okay. gone through the original series, Next Gen. They're going to do Deep Space Nine. Huh. But they do a lot of research into like specifics of production, uh, right. behind-the-scenes, script revisions. I mean, it's a lot deeper into the nerdom of it uh. than, than you and I can get. Because, you know, we're neither of us are really experts. Yeah, and, and I will have to say that you know, sorry, sorry, Mission Log. Uh, I do try to insulate myself from Star Trek because the whole point of this podcast is that I am watching this for the first time. I've yeah. only ever seen like two episodes of Next Generation full all the way through, and I'm trying to keep it that way as I go through uh, this podcast series. Yeah. So I know nothing about the Prime Directive. Well, <laughs> well, I don't either, apparently. Yeah, yeah. But I reached out to Mission Log. John Champion was nice enough to respond to me. The John Champion? The John Champion. I know that means a lot to you, but it as does. I just explained, I would have no idea. <laughs> I kind of fanboyed out a little bit. I read, I read it. Fan. It was a very nice, like, thoughtful email mm-hmm. that explained a lot of stuff. Yeah, so let me read yeah. how I ask the question, okay. um, and then I'll read John's response. So I said, hi, guys. Right? Great opening. Yeah. You'd want to respond to this Hell email. Yeah. Uh, big fan of the show. It's informative, entertaining, and downright awesome. I don't know if I have to read like my pandering to him, but I do think it's a great show. Um, I've been podcasting, and recently my friend Patrick Winninger and I, Patrick O'Rourke, have started a show where we are watching every episode of Next Generation. He has never seen the series before and knows very little about it. I, on the other hand, love it and have seen every episode a few times and also listen to podcasts about it. Smiley emoticon. Oh, okay. huh? see, yeah, that's good. That's because I was talking about his podcast. Right. Yeah. I'm uh, sure he made the connection. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think he laughed. All right. I assume he's back in his den laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> that O'Rourke. Yeah, that, that Patrick O'Rourke. I don't know what he sounds like, so yeah. just assume that was my John Champion impression. <laughs> I'll listen to his podcast once we're done watching all... Six, seven seasons of Next Generation. All right. I am by no means an expert like you guys, just a fan who is trying to turn his friend onto his favorite show. So I have a problem. The Prime Directive makes no sense to me. We are about 15 episodes in, and I'm having the hardest time explaining it to him as the rules, guardrails, they seem very, and then I went dot, 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 fluid, which I think is fair, right? They seem fluid right now. Do you guys have a simple way of explaining it that is accurate to all the nuances of why they are perfectly willing to break it or why they must not break it. Again, this point of view seems to change and the importance of it seems to change as well. Hope this makes sense. Thanks again for doing the show. If you care, here's a link to our podcast. It's called Pat Track. So uh, the rest of that doesn't matter. You, listener, know all that information because you're listening right now. Right. All right. So here is John's response. And I hope that uh, this makes it a little more clear to you, Patrick, To me, as well as to the listener. Hey, Pat. Love that opening. Yeah, classic. (laughs) Classic John Champion right there. Yeah, right there. Yep. Uh, Nice to hear from you, and thank you so much for the kind words about Mission Log. See, he read it and left. Did he mention the smiley face? No, but later he makes his own smiley face. I'll be sure to call that out. That's a callback. (laughs) It's interesting. The Prime Directive is sort of like the time it takes a turbo lift to get from point A to point B, or like the speed of subspace communication. All of those things occur exactly at the pace that the story demands for the week. Smiley face. 
Oh, okay. That, Which, that's where it is. Yeah, right. and I've and I've quoted that to you before that they say yeah. that. Like, well, there, there's a term for that. It's uh, moving at the speed of plot. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> if you're like reading Game of Thrones books, you know, you're in the middle of Feast for Crows, and like, how do they get from you know Winterfell to King's Landing so quickly? It's like just because they wrote it that way. <laughs> yeah, and that's very true. If you're trying to measure out like your yeah. little map with like scale miles and and stuff like that it's like yeah you're you're gonna be wrong everything moves at the speed of plot so that makes sense yeah yeah so he continues star trek did try to codify it at one point that the federation would not intervene with the natural development of any pre-warp society and that's how we've been trying to interpret it we that's, read that that's definition. what i thought it was right honestly that we look at it a different way oh i guess he said honestly though we look at it a different way Star Trek is fiction. It's meant to serve as a metaphor for how we can or should behave as human beings and often challenges, challenges us to be better than who we are. In that case, the Prime Directive is a stand-in for a kind of code that says sometimes we have to do the difficult thing to do the right thing. Right might be relative, but it usually falls down on the side of doing the least harm to those who would be affected. Sometimes it doesn't, though. And that leads to some pretty interesting ethical dilemmas. Huh. Hope that's a starting point. The nice thing about discussing so many episodes of Star Trek over the years is that there isn't just a single answer to cover all situations. Star Trek seems to be more interested in the discussion, in exploring what is the challenge to humanity to be more ethical, to be more compassionate. Very best to you and hope the podcast is going well. All right. Yeah. So, Thanks, John Champion. Yeah, and a very, very thoughtful answer, and he's right. It also doesn't help us, though, as we try to understand it, because yeah. it's kind of like... I am glad that he pointed out to you that Star Trek is fiction. <laughs> By the way, Pat O'Rourke, this isn't real. Yeah. You're not trying to ask me if this is real, are you? <laughs> Hope you're having a nice day. Yeah, that's fair. I wasn't asking him, yeah, but I know. to me, I do like rules like if we establish yeah. a universe i want those rules to always be true consistency is good yeah but i i think that's a good point in that and we see that in this episode too yeah that it makes it difficult for them to do their job mm-hmm. because they're trying to do the right thing which a it's confusing what the right thing is right. And, and and b it's always more difficult for them to do than whatever easy fix they had to get out of the situation. Right, exactly. There's many times in the show where you think, well, just blast your way out of it. Right. And they can quote the Prime Directive as a reason as to why they why can't they do that. Yeah. 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 But uh, speaking of sticky moral dilemmas, I figured instead <laughs> of Patrick's log today, I found this really interesting story on, on the news today about a lawsuit involving Star Trek. And I don't know if you saw this. No, but, I haven't. Okay, so it was on NPR... There's a story called, Is Klingon a Living Language? That's for, parentheses, human courts to decide. So Paramount Pictures and CBS, who own the intellectual property of Star Trek at this point, they are suing the producers of a fan Star Trek film for copyright infringement. Oh, wow. And I don't know if you've heard of the movie. It's called Prelude to Axanar. Yes, I have. I, I saw a... I actually did see the extended trailer for it. Mm-hmm. And it was like a 15-minute section of the movie. It was like a Ken Burns-style documentary about a Star Trek battle. It's it's very niche. It was better than I expected. <laughs> oh, good. I'll say that. It was yeah. actually pretty interesting. pretty well done. Yeah, I gotcha. Pretty well done. Yeah. But they used uh, Klingon language in it. So because they interview a lot of like these Klingon officers throughout uh, the movie... And they have subtitles because they're speaking in Klingon at, at certain points. So uh, Paramount Pictures is like, all right, well, uh, you know, that's our intellectual property. But everything else is like in this weird legal gray area. Right, because so, it's parody or... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I guess it's not really it's, parody. It's, yeah, it's, some, it's a kind of like fair use, basically. And all of the money that they raise was on Kickstarter. Right. So it's not like they're technically profiting so it's it's really weird uh but their way in paramount's way in is through klingon yep so so many people speak klingon yeah that's like a big so deep cut thing to be if you're a big star trek person you know klingon so here's the interesting thing yeah um 
they uh this language society that's like i guess uh people that are really into languages they filed an amicus brief like uh in support uh, a friend of the court it's like a, a little publication that's in support of one of the parties involved and it was in support of the prelude to action our people and their argument is that klingon is a living language at this point um that it is part of society. Like, people speak it, as yeah, you said. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Uh, yeah. It has changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has dialects now, yeah. apparently. New and slang so, is introduced. Right, yeah. yeah. And the... But the guy that invented Klingon is still alive. And he's mm. saying, no, that's my intellectual property. So it's like there's a huge dispute in the courts, and I just thought that that story is really interesting. You can go to NPR. Yeah, and we're getting one of those areas it. where the internet might get mad at me, because I think... They never formalized Klingon until later somebody wrote a book, like how to write Klingon. Or yeah, this is right? the guy that wrote the book. Right. Um, that they, they interviewed. And did he get permission from Paramount to write that book? I don't think he did. Yeah, they, they didn't. That's why they're suing. No, no, he did. He worked he for had, Paramount. He yeah, worked yeah, for yeah, Paramount. He was, part okay. of, he was part of like Star Trek. He got money to write this to book. Write this book. Mm. But why would Paramount want to stop fan work? Like that's something See, I, I don't never know. understand. It's like all it's doing is promoting your brand more. So when right. you release another JJ Abrams movie, people are going to be more excited about it. You're like keeping the brand alive between new content pieces. I think it's yeah. I mean, I'm admittedly I'm not an expert in the law. <laughs> uh I have intellectual property that I don't make any money off of. Uh, either my employer does or it's for peaches and hot sauce. So <laughs> right. that's a wash. But, you know, I don't really feel that strongly about, like, people you know, using this to create something of their own within that universe. Because it is so completely different from any episode of Star Trek. Like, right. it is a Ken Burns-style documentary of Star Trek. Uh do not watch it if that's what if that is something that you would definitely not be into. But if you like documentaries and you like Star Trek, it seems pretty cool. Right. It's completely different from any of the stuff that Star Trek has like has been made under the Star Trek brand. Uh you know, I guess there's a place for it. Yeah, I I think so. I I know that through One Shot Podcast, it gets a lot of fan art and fan work, and people have built like miniature models of the Minoc, which is the airplane is the airplane the spaceship that the campaign <laughs> the crew is on yeah. and uh, for those who are listening to this who don't know what one shot is it's um it's a podcast network mainly run by cat murphy and james damato they are the main hosts of it i'm the behind the scenes guy on it and we the three of us work together to make this thing happen uh, but we get a ton of fan work and every time we get it we promote the heck out of it because it makes it better for everybody involved. Yeah, and you know, thanks to everybody for making all that stuff. Right. Like that, it's cool that they do that. Yeah. At this point, though, like he raised, I think it was because he raised so much money oh, to do it. Like yeah. it's a big budget thing now. Right. Right. Because he, I think he got like two hundred thousand dollars through his Kickstarter. Yeah, that's a lot more than uh, yes. campaigner one shot. So that's when they started to take notice. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's in his, you know, legal gray area. That's why it's in the court. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Well, I'll say this. If anybody wants to make some Patrick fan fiction, yeah, please feel free. Yeah. A fan you know art, what? whatever it is, yeah, make No it. matter how weird. Yeah. All right. Hey, man, we, you and I, we've got a good sense of humor. Right. And uh, <laughs> we love, we, I would love it. So please if, take all of that money that you were going to put into this fan film and make a Patrick film. Yeah. Yeah. We own that. Sure. Feel free. We promise we won't sue you. We promise. Well, well for now. For, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we promise. Just uh, do not try to use the secret Patrick language that yes. we have invented. That is our own personal intellectual property. Yeah. We have copyrighted it, uh, and we will crush you in the courts. Zumba. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't want to give him any more hints into yeah, our twin okay. language. <laughs> Should probably just go into the episode. I yeah, think. we should. So this episode, we're 13, 14 minutes into the podcast, and we're right. we don't, we don't finally have, naming the episode. We, uh, we don't have a guest. Yeah, so, that's true. You know, uh, that'll it'll eat up a little less time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this episode is called "Too Short a Season," um, and what is this? The fifteenth, sixteenth episode, something like that. Yeah, it was the one after the one with all the numbers. numbers. In it. Yep, yeah. yep. And it's yet another like diplomatic mission. We'll get used to these, Patrick. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, the Enterprise is sent to some place called Mordan 4 uh, to talk to some guy who I guess is like a governor. Yeah, I think he's the ruler of the planet. Okay, I, w- I wasn't sure what his title was, but it's, it's a guy named Karnas who, you know, he's saying that, oh, these terrorists have taken the Federation ambassador hostage, a bunch of other people hostage. We got to negotiate with them. And they want to talk to only one guy, a man named Admiral Mark Jameson. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't you love when he first comes on screen? God, no. No? That was my least favorite part about this episode. Why? It was the makeup. Sure. And there has been a lot of complaints about this makeup. Uh, He is very clearly not an old man. I think I mentioned to you when we were just watching this is that he looks like that shitty Johnny Johnny Knoxville movie, Bad Grandpa. Yes. Like he is very obvious. He comes up on the screen because like Picard's like, well, I guess I better get this Mark Jameson guy. He shows up on the screen and he just looks like very clearly a young man in old person makeup. Yes, that's true. And I don't want to give any hints away to the listener about what happens, but there is a reason for that. Yeah. And the other thing that also turned me off with was his voice. Oh. Because I did not like the actor in this. Oh, wow. He just, it sounds so weird it was like he knew that he looked like a puppet (laughs) and so he started talking like a puppet yeah he did kind of sound like oh who are the two muppets who would sit in the balcony and yell waldorf and yeah uh, he would look like waldorf yeah yeah (laughs) he did very much so yeah they modeled him off waldorf yeah i mean there's like uh, i don't know if you've seen the second season of unbreakable kimmy schmidt uh it's it's kind of meh but there's some really funny gags in it and Mm -hmm. there's one for like they go to see Titus's boyfriend's family, and he has like this really old Italian grandmother. She shows up, and she's just like a human-sized puppet. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I just like lost it with that show. And he looked like that. Yeah, he absolutely. looked like a Sesame Street guy. And then it didn't help that he talked with a Grover voice. He did. Yeah, when he was old. When he was old. Yeah, and he kind of had like a, you could tell that he was trying to hold on to it later, but we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> Later, but yeah, the makeup was not well done, and I did look up, and I was not the only person to Mm-mm. say this. Apparently, it was widely panned when yeah. that when that came out, especially now in HD. You know? Yeah, because like all the flaws are. Yeah, you can see that high that definition. plastic look on the side of his face. But let's yeah. put that aside. Okay, you know that's just a production detail. Yeah. So one thing that we learn from him about Mordan, uh, the the Mordan Four, I should say, the the planet. Yes is that they are finally at peace and rebuilding their society after 40 years of civil war. Yeah. And Picard's like, well, why can't Karnas, like deal with it on his own if they're at peace? He apparently has everything together. Why is he even like coming to us? He should be able to just like deal with the terrorists on his own. And uh, Karnas is like, well... You know, they settled the Civil War, like, only five years ago. Seems like they should have a handle on it. Jameson, though, it turns out, was the same guy that negotiated the release of hostages on the same planet 45 years earlier. So, five, 45 years ago, Jameson was on this planet, and then 40 years of Civil War followed. Right. So, bring that guy back. Right. To do <laughs> diplomacy again. Well, they asked specifically for him. They did. So, he has to come back. Uh, anyway, he beams aboard on uh, uh, with like a wheelchair, and his wife Anne is with him. And she this is just a normal older person. Yeah, yeah, she is. She doesn't have any makeup on. <laughs> well, stage makeup, I suppose. Right. But she just is of the age of the character that she's right. portraying. Um, I also love this wheelchair because it is very much the Professor Xavier it wheelchair is. from the 1990s X Men. It's also like unnecessarily complicated and huge. It is big. It's yeah, bigger than a modern it's wheelchair. Bigger than just a wheelchair <laughs> that I guess you would probably need to get around on a place with a lot of confined areas, like a ship. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he, he beams aboard like with his old man puppet makeup uh, and his normal looking wife and, and an enormous wheelchair, and he informs Picard that he is the acting officer. Uh, but Picard is con- in control of the ship. But he's in control of the awake. But he's in control of the mission. Yes. So this is going to cause friction. We are, I guess we already know. Yeah, a little foreshadowing. Right. So Picard is like a little, he's like, oh, man, that sucks. But he's got to agree to it. I mean, this is orders from Starfleet. Again, Karnas specifically requested this guy. And 
Starfleet specifically sent him. Yes. So, so captain's got to do what a captain's got to do. Right. Which I'll get into that later about mm-hmm. Starfleet going along with this. Uh, but I, that's one of the things I love about this episode okay. is that Starfleet proves to be fallible. Right. Is that the right word? Yep. Yeah, that's the word I'm yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they prove to make mistakes, many of them in this episode. Yeah. So uh, they head over to the bridge, and I've been saying Carnass, and I, that can't be right. That sounds so wrong. It's Carnass? I don't I know. I think it's Carnass. They call him Carnass. Man's name is has ass in it. <laughs> All right. Well, so, he sounds to me like a Warcraft character. All of these sound of. like they've ripped off of Warcraft. I, I guess Warcraft yeah. came out later, but yeah. it all sounds like Warcraft lands, like Mordor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Karnas, uh, you know, he gets back on the screen again. He sees Jameson. He's like, oh, time has not been kind to you. Because I think they're like the same age. They're right? supposed to be close. around they're the peers. same age. Yeah. Because he had mentioned, like, I was there 45 years ago. I was a young man. So was he. Uh, so, you know, he has a little dig at Jameson. It's pretty clear that they don't like each other. Yeah. And Troy this whole time is like trying to get a bead on Admiral Jameson. Right. Do we know about Admiral Jameson's disease yet? Do they tell us what that they, is? It just kind of comes up. Yeah. But anyway, he, has a, he has a disease called like iris disease. Yeah. Uh, it makes it so he can't walk and he's like physically weak. Right. And that's why he has aged so poorly yes. compared to his Compared to his counterpart, uh, Karnas, who is, they're both supposed to be 85, right. I think. Right. Uh, so he tells Jameson, he's like, all right, you know, here's the deal. Uh, the terrorists want the discussions on Mordan, on the planet, and they want to speak only with the Federation negotiator, which is you. That's what they want. And Jameson's like, all right, uh, I accept the terms. And transmission cuts off. So Troy is like sensing something from Karnas because remember, one of her powers is reading body language. Well, And she even quotes the body language. Yeah, and that's all that she's going off. Judging by his facial expressions and body language. Yeah, reading the body language. The thing that everybody saw? Oh, it's like, (laughs) oh yeah, the thing that anyone can do if they were socialized properly at a young age. (laughs) He seemed mad. (laughs) Everybody but Worf nailing it right right now, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, you know, he's telling the truth, but, you know, he's hiding something. I I don't know what. Yeah. Which was clear. Was clear, but man, I don't want to spoil this. But like, she was fucking wrong. <laughs> she was. She oh, was I guess wrong. he was lying. Yeah. <laughs> well, he wasn't. She didn't even get it right. <laughs> the one thing that she can do is like reading body language and tone. Yeah. And she got it completely wrong. <laughs> because like I was even watching, it was just like, yeah, this guy is a bad guy. Yeah, something's up with this fella. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the whole time she was like trying to to like pry into Jameson and you know see what his deal was. But anyway, Jameson is like, okay, well, yeah, maybe he's not lying, but he doesn't want to admit that like he's coming from a position of weakness. Right. And he also points out that the terrorists, if they're willing to kill people, which is the other thing that we learned from this, they're desperate. Yes. So yep. I think And he's hiding failure, I think is what they yeah. claim, right? It's yep. like he's hiding the fact that he failed at something. Yeah. And he which again is revenge. wrong. <laughs> yeah, which is getting all of everyone is incorrect. <laughs> they end up being completely wrong. Yeah, but the they spend a lot of time talking about yeah, it. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, Crusher is like, oh, well, you know, we're going to do like a basic uh, medical exam on Jameson. And Jameson's like, oh, uh oh. <laughs> you can kind of tell he's like kind of freaked out about it, which is very strange. And Troy picks up on this. Yes. One of her superpowers actually being used correctly. And. Riker is trying to figure out uh, how how did Karnas know Jameson was still there? Like, still alive, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it's been, what, 45 years? Right, since they've been in contact of This guy kind. has a debilitating disease, and they're both 85 years old. Like, right. Riker's just like, look, how, how did this even work? Right. Which, uh, do we ever get that resolved? Uh, uh, he to- says that, like... They briefed some guy uh, before he took over, like, the post on Morden. Mm. So, like, the Hawkins, who's the guy, who's the ambassador that is kidnapped, yeah. Jameson had briefed him. So, I guess Karnas found out through Hawkins, who's the guy that's gotcha. been kidnapped. Gotcha. Okay. And no one is still able to figure out what exactly the terrorists want. That's right. the other thing we learned from this situation. Even Data can't figure this out. Right. Well, they don't even say it. 
Yeah. There's no, they don't want anything. We never know what the terrorists actually want. No, that's never declared. They just say, in the they just say we captured this Federation guy. Right. We will kill the hostages unless we negotiate with uh, Jameson. Oh, by the way, we're not going to tell you what we want <laughs> until we talk to this negotiator. We never right. even see the terrorists. No. This entire thing. No, or hostages or anything. We nope. just see Karnas. Yeah. So everyone is like kind of getting this information from a filter from Karnas. And that should have been a red flag, right. I think, to begin with. They no all one, trusted Deanna Troy. They all trusted <laughs> Troy. And she's like, look, man, body language usually doesn't lie. So, you know, that's not my fault. Uh, anyway, well, we go back to Jameson's quarters, and he's able to, like, get out of his wheelchair and walk. And his wife is like, hey, you know, you're getting better. He seemed to be getting stronger. And, but then he gets, like, a, it looks like a heart attack. Yeah. And she tries to call sick bay. He's like, no, this has happened before. I'm fine. She's like, when? Yeah, when, this, when? How many heart attacks have you been getting? <laughs> Especially like, I stand by you all right. the time. Yeah. How is this possible? Yeah. And then it cuts to Crusher talking to Picard in the ready room. She's saying that, like, you know, it's weird that the medical records Jameson gave me are actually two months old. And he told me that they were two days old. You know, normally that's not a big deal, but like, why did he lie about that? I don't understand. And Picard's like, oh, you sound like Troy. She's kind of miffed at that. And he says, you know, look, I trust you, but, you know, we're going to have you on the bridge. You'll deal with any medical situation that comes up, but I just want to get through this mission, basically. He doesn't want any other, it sounds like he doesn't want like any other complications going right. on. Exactly. Yeah. So, oh, it was called Iverson's disease. Sorry. That's what it was. I had misheard it this entire time. I thought it was Iris's disease. Sorry, <laughs> internet, please don't yell us. I know, <laughs> I called it Hutchinson's disease, Hutchinson's, which, which I think is, is a, a real disease. thing. Which is a real thing. But that's, what were they trying to reference? Because they were, you know, trying to talk like about... MS, I think? MS, yeah. Or something like that. Or Parkinson's, I was thinking at first, but Parkinson's, he would have been shaking more or something. Yeah. But those are all, yeah, it's one of these long-term diseases that in modern times, we don't have a cure for, but slowly right. kills you. And we kind of see more of this as like he comes onto the bridge and Picard offers to you know let him take a seat at the bridge and he gets up and walks out of his wheelchair in front right. of everybody. Almost falls. Almost falls, yeah. but he, he's able to walk and he's like, oh no, I've just been doing this new therapy. There is no cure for this disease and no successful treatment has ever been found. Yeah, so according to Beverly. Mind. Right. right. Uh, no known cure. No known cure. And she, per she says that and emphasizes known quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then back in his quarters, uh, Jameson is like, he looks, he's starting to look younger again at this yeah. point. Some he's, of the makeup has fallen off his right, face. Yeah, magically has <laughs> fallen. He sounds a little less like a Muppet now. <laughs> and he's like trying to have sex with his wife. <laughs> and she's like, no, man, chill. That part's really funny. It was. Because he kept funny. going like, save it for the bedroom. And she's right. like, why do you look young? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think my wife would be very confused if I suddenly yes. looked like the 21-year-old she first met. You know? Right, yeah. I'd have no beard and no gray hair. <laughs> she'd be like, what happened, dude? You die in your stuff? Anyway. So, yeah, he, he, he goes to the mirror, and he's like, he clearly looks like 60, maybe. And she's like, look, you look 20 years younger. He's like, oh, you flatter me. It's, it's like he doesn't even see the changes right, right. that are happening in his own body. And then he gets, like, that heart attack thing again. Right. And he says something about, like, Oh, they said that this would happen is like as the changes in the body. So it's like, okay, well, we know he did something. Right. Yeah, he he is intentionally has altered his body in some way. Right. We definitely know that now. And, we and found he hasn't out told his wife, he hasn't yeah. told anybody else. Yeah. And uh we find out for sure when he goes to sick bay and Crusher finds that he has some weird chemicals in his body. His DNA is doing weird stuff, and there is no more trace of the disease. Yeah. It's gone. Right. Completely and remember, gone. no known cure. Known cure. <laughs> but clearly there is a cure of some kind. Oh, yeah. And he has apparently found it. Yes. And they go back to his quarters and he looks even younger. And Picard's like, look, man. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's fine. That will get edited out. Uh, Picard's like. Or kept in forever. Oh, no. <laughs> Picard's saying, look, we took you on this ship. You have control of the mission, but we need some answers if you're going to be on this ship. What is going on with you? Now, why do you look good right, right now? You look like a Muppet at the beginning of this Exactly. Thing. This is one of those moments that I love Picard. Yeah. Because at least Picard is acknowledging it and taking it head He's on. He's saying what the weird thing is. Yeah. 
and trying to deal with a weird thing. Right. Instead of just like talking around it and trying to find out like body language or something. <laughs> well, it's also that thing of like when you have something in your teeth and nobody tells you, like the actual polite thing to do is just say, hey man, you got something on your teeth. Right. But everyone's embarrassed to do that because it like seems rude in the moment. Yeah. But that is the more polite thing to do. And Picard, being the stand-up gentleman he is, is like, hey man, you look young as hell. Yeah, he's like, you got some Benjamin Button thing going on. <laughs> What's up with that? Right. And so he tells him, he's like, well, all right. Went to this planet called Cerebrus, and the natives there have this drug that's supposed to rejuvenate the body. And I negotiated a treaty, got this debilitating disease. It's incredibly painful. I can't walk. I know that I've got to keep negotiating these treaties because, like, what I do saves lives. So I took it. And it was supposed to be slowly administered over two years, but... And he got enough for himself and his wife, but he took both doses for himself when this mission came up because it was so important to him and he, he needed to be young and spry to do it. So he took his wife's dose yeah, too. Yeah, what a jerk. What a jerk. Right. And that's something that I love about this episode is, um, Patrick, it, it, it's foreshadowing a little bit what it's like to work at the Federation. Um, I think this is the first time we really see humans with flaws. Yeah. Right? Because to date, humans are living in a utopia. They're further evolved than all of us. There's no real greed or selfishness going on. But this Admiral, that is one of the most selfish moves you can do. Stone cold. Yeah. Yeah. That is horrible. And Anne, his wife, is understandably very upset. Yeah, she's so mad. He's going to keep on living Mm -hmm. with a different body, a younger body. Yeah. When, you know, she will live a natural life and grow older and die. Yeah. Very soon. Which, I don't know. Doesn't that seem like a horrible life where the people you love have all passed away and you're leading a second life? Well, he did it for this mission. Yeah. And we find out. It was so important to him. We find out next why. Uh, So they go back to the observation lounge and Jameson is sitting with his face in the shadow, I guess, to hide like his younger look. Uh, they're in a communications frequency uh, to Karnas. And now he's about 20-something. Like yeah, he's, he's like quite young he's like our point. age, basically, yeah. at this point. Oh, thanks. And Well, yeah, he's like 30. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I, was, I, was, I took that as a compliment. <laughs> I thought you were saying we look like we're 20s. You look great. You look like you're in your 20s. No, I don't. No. <laughs> I, I don't have the hairline for that. Uh, so <laughs> I, I have his hairline at this point, which is like still like high-ass forehead. Uh <laughs> <laughs> and like he has the entire the entire show. Right. So he's talking to Carnass and they find out that basically this guy's made everything up. They ask him who's behind the kidnapping. He's like, oh, you know, it's my it's dissidents, political opponents, whatever. And now that Jameson is just now returning, it's like for, oh, for the first time in 45 years, like this is the first time that that's ever happened again. You know, what a coincidence. And it turns out that they have bad blood between them. Carnass is trying to get revenge on Jameson somehow. Yep. And he did it by taking the Star uh, Starfleet, uh, the ambassador and other people hostage, and then lying to Starfleet, saying that terrorists did this. And he's just doing it as a trap to try to get Jameson. Exactly. That's messed up. Which Jameson fell for. Yeah, and first of all, Carnass is probably the most evil villain we've run oh, into yeah. to date. Yeah, because he is totally manipulated like some the whole Federation. dictator, but also very effective. Yeah, he was able to—he was able to trick Starfleet. Yeah, the most powerful force, or one of the most powerful forces in all of outer space. Yeah, they <laughs> fell for the them. whole thing. Yeah, Captain Picard fell for it, and that yeah. guy's a freaking genius. Yeah. So, it, it, what he wants revenge for him for? This is where it gets really messed up. Yeah. So, forty-five years ago, this is before the Civil War. Jameson himself, when he was younger, was sent to negotiate uh, another peace settlement with the same guy, Karnas. His father was like part of a clan leader that got assassinated, and he wanted revenge. Jameson was sent to negotiate peace between him and the other party. Karnas wanted weapons in exchange for releasing these hostages, <laughs> so he was like the actual terrorist then. Uh, and he was like, well... Seems like the easiest way to do this is just give him the weapons. And then he was like, oh, well, how I interpreted the prime directive is to not interfere. So I figured I'd even the score. <laughs> I gave him weapons, and then I gave his opponents weapons. Right, he doubled down. And just left. 
Yeah. So I want to talk about this for a second. <laughs> That's so dumb. Well, okay. It's super dumb, but it is something, and you're a lot more geopolitical savvy than I am, Patrick. I uh, don't know about that. Uh, it just seemed, I don't know. Okay, but the United States has made moves like oh, that. Oh, we do stupid our, shit all the time. That, but that's what I'm saying. Isn't that interesting? And it's such an interesting commentary on like trying to do the right thing, back to John Champion's note, of yeah. like, well, if you're going to give one side weapons, is it good to give the other side weapons as well to balance out the score and let it happen the way it's supposed to happen? Yeah, but it ended up being like a 40-year civil war. Right, right. Which the Admiral thought was only going to take a year or two. A small skirmish is what he said. Mm-hmm. Does that make you think of Iraq in kind any of, sort of way? It kind way? of reminded me of just like John Kerry in 2004. Because like Jameson is saying, oh, look, I, I realize now it's a terrible idea. Right, he did say I that. I can fix it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like all those Democrats that like voted for it. Yeah. And they're like, uh, look, man. It was a bad idea, mm-hmm. but now I got this super secret drug from Cerebrus. It's going to turn me younger. <laughs> I can literally I can turn back this, time. I can make this right again. Right, and that's what the Admiral's goal is the entire time. Yeah, but he, to correct he tries to make mistake. it right by doing the same like interventionist bullshit. <laughs> that got him in trouble in the first place, because he goes to the bridge, and he's like, Picard's like, uh, okay, so how do we solve this? He's like, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to put the Enterprise in warp eight. You're going to throw them off balance. I'm going to send a landing party down there because now that I'm young, I can kill people. And right. well, he gets we're going to solve this by yeah. force. Like, he gets super aggressive. Yeah, it's true. He, he's going into the same trap. Right. Which shows you again, to me, it's like that's where I think this episode really shines. And it's, uh, it's this is the best part, I yeah. think, was when it goes... Because that is what we as a government, as the American government, as most governments do is yeah. they try to solve the same problem that has not been solved by force with more force. And I think that's what Star Trek is commenting on here. Yeah. And I, I think that they was do actually a pretty really good. good job of yep. it. This but, is one of those glimmers of like, uh, oh, this is smart writing and social commentary going yeah, on. Yeah, which, which is, I think, one of the problems in making Starfleet and making the Federation like 100% good. Yeah. You can't make that commentary. Right. That's why... Again, this is the first time we see them not be good. Yeah. Effectively, nobody in Starfleet is good in this episode. Even the Enterprise. Yeah. Like, nobody is really doing well, the, the right thing. Well, the Enterprise is just, like, kind of bumbling. Yeah. Because they get everything fools. wrong. All that stuff about, like, Karnas, like, you know, making the whole thing up, they didn't catch. Deanna yeah. Troy, her, whose entire job is to do this. Right. It's like, oh, must be telling the truth. Yeah. We're, everybody is fooled. Yeah. It's it's like a post 9/11 society. <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy to me and this is what 1987. I think we're maybe in a 1988 okay, by now. Okay. So Enterprise is Time Magazine, New York <laughs> Times. Uh Karnas is Saddam Hussein. Right. Uh Jameson is Colin Powell? I don't know. I don't know. I suppose. <laughs> All right. He seemed to get younger as time went right, on. Right. I think we stretched this out too much. But anyway, <laughs> Admiral Jameson, he's like, we're g- there are these, there's a secret tunnel city from that 40-year civil war that they had uh, <laughs> where everyone like used to fight underground. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I know it really well, and uh, we can beam down there, and we can take it by, we can storm them really quickly because, you know, we have the badass weapons uh, that they, they, I don't think he really thought this clearly because he gave them the badass weapons. The badass yeah. weapons, too. Yeah. He just assumed that they would be be able to like easily storm them with like six people. So they go down there and he's like, ah, oh, we're in like tunnel M or something. I, I I know this well. And data's trying to correct him. He's like, look, the coordinates don't say that. He doesn't listen to him. You know, Jameson just storms on down the hall and it finds out and he's ready like, to fight. He's a young guy right, ready to he's battle. He's young now. again. He's aggressive as hell. And it turns, turns out that like they closed the tunnels over the years because it's like, dude, the last time you were here was 40, 45 years ago. Right. Things have changed. They blocked off this tunnel, so they got to like saw their way through, and then they're pretty much immediately, yeah, ambushed, ambushed because they just blew up a wall. Yeah, <laughs> like it's the future. They right. know when a wall it, explodes, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> People are gonna notice. Yeah. So uh, I, I did enjoy this part because it's like the first time that we've seen like future soldiers. Yeah, we've seen some action going on. Yeah, that was kind of cool. They just like these dudes in airbrushed. 
camouflage jumpsuits and welding helmets. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. shooting at them with phasers. I like the barrel roll. Now, the, oh, yeah. watch this part, listener. And when they're doing the barrel rolls over like the um, like the cargo, there's a lot of really pointless jumping around going on by these soldiers. And it made me laugh quite a bit. Yeah, there's uh, Data has a really good barrel roll. Yeah, he does point. too. Everybody's barrel rolling. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you do in the future. That's the number one way to dodge a laser or a phaser is um, barrel roll. Yeah, uh, and one thing I think that is worth pointing out: Starfleet has their phaser set to stun, mm-hmm. and the other guys have theirs set to kill. Don't you love this interaction between Picard and Data too? Or Data oh yeah, too, when he goes. Uh, I believe their phasers are set to kill. And Picard's like, yes, I can tell. <laughs> yeah, dude, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but then uh, Jameson gets another chest pain. Uh, they had said earlier in the episode that like he wasn't stabilizing. Right. So like whatever dose he took, he took way too much of it. Clearly. He doubled down. They're under attack. He has like this stroke thing, and so they got to beam up real quick. Uh, so they escape, and it looks like everything has just been screwed up. Uh, and immediately, Karnas is on uh, the comm, and he asks for Jameson. Uh, Picard's like, well, you know, he's in the sick bay. I don't know if you want to see him, uh, but Karnas is, like, adamant that that they see them. So even though this guy is, like, at death's door, he beams him down into Karnas' office. Yeah. Well, and the, the admiral says, um, like, take me there. I'm going. Yeah. I'm going to go. He he knows that he screwed up. Yeah, he's he's just trying to make it right. Yeah. So. He's trying to solve the Gulf War by engaging with Saddam again. He tried to kill my dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just me, older or younger right. or whatever. <laughs> now that I took this potion yeah. from Cerebrus, uh, and I'm 45 years younger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but the funny thing is, is they beam down, and Karnas is like, this isn't him. Right, Karnas doesn't believe why it. Why would he recognize him? Yeah, he's a 20-year-old man at this point. Yeah, and it's kind of weird that, like, I mean, he would recognize that guy because right. he met him 45 years ago. Exactly. That's where there's a little bit of a plot hole going on. He would be like, you haven't aged at all. It all seems like he would ask, wait, is this his son? Right, yeah. That would be the reasonable. Instead of being like, what trick are you trying to pull on me right, right. now? yeah. I also love how he proves who he is. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So th- there's a lot of back and forth. Like, Yeah, they argue for a while. It's kind of pointless. Jameson has like, this sweaty growling at him because uh, he's dying. Yeah, and his eyes are all bloodshot. Uh, and yeah, red. it's really yeah. weird. Uh, but he proves to him that it's him by showing the scar that Karnas gave to him 45 they years ago. legit had a blood oath. They had a blood oath. Where they cut each other on the wrist and put their wrists together like they're going to be best friends forever. Right. And so Cardus is like, oh, well, I guess that is him. Yeah, because he's got a scar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's starting to have, you know, that, like, stroke again. Yeah. So Picard's like, uh, you better beam Anne down here. He is dying. Yeah. Uh, so she beams down. And Picard is, like, trying to say, it's like, look, man, Carnus, I know you blame this guy for, like, 40 years of civil war, but... Jesus Christ, like, look at what you did. You know, look, look at all the problems that you caused. He he came to try to settle a, a disagreement between you and your enemies. And just because you had the opportunity to, like, kill all of them, because Karnas' whole argument was like, look, if he only gave the weapons to us, we would have killed everyone, and it would be over in a yep. year. It would have been 40 years of this shit. It's the rationale behind the nuclear bomb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, it's the same rationale. Yeah, but in this case, it was mutually assured destruction. Right, exactly. Just it's just assured like it, destruction <laughs> of one party. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, Karnas, I think, is starting to understand, uh, you know, and especially after Jameson shows him uh, the scar from the blood oath. And Karnas is, like, about to shoot him, but as he sees Jameson dying on the floor, he's like, you know what? I think my best vengeance is watching you die like this. <laughs> And Jameson is a really like tender moment uh, with his wife, yeah. uh, and with a golden hair, as he as he calls her, and, yeah, and his eyes get kind of hazy. At this yeah, time and he too. dies yeah. of young age, which is the weird thing. Yes, but that somehow like moves Carnus. Uh, his heart grows three sizes that day, <laughs> and he's like, "Look, 
you know, I'm going to release the hostages. Uh, well, vengeance has happened. Yeah, it's like, I guess I got my revenge. So, uh, yeah, everyone gets to go home. Sorry about that. Yeah. And uh, Jameson, th- this is interesting, he was buried on Mordan. Which is strange. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Anne requested it, and, like, Karnas was like, yeah, okay. I I'm wonder if that's that. Anne getting her vengeance. <laughs> Maybe. I'd be pretty mad. I would be so mad, especially if you would have taken this medication correctly. You both would have they both had an extra had 40 a long, years. Life. Yeah, exactly. And also, he didn't need it. No. Just like his, he, he took it, I'm assuming, for the military assault. Right. You know, so he could be younger for that and actually take part. But that was a bad idea. Yeah, and he ended up having a little stroke thing go on. Yeah. And he couldn't even participate in that because so like, he overdosed. The, the dumb thing that screwed over his wife that he did turned out to not even be to his own strategic advantage. Right, right, exactly. It was just something that he did because he was too, like, over-exuberant for getting this cure. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I don't know if if he was trying to justify that with that story about, he's like, no, I did it to save these people instead of just like, man, I want to be 20 again. (laughs) I want to make moves on my wife again. Right, yeah. yeah. Because he was wheelchair-bound for so long, he wasn't able to do any of those kind of things. Yeah. And they imply that he doesn't. That's Star Trek's way of saying they hooked up. You know, mm-hmm. that's they're not going to show it. It's right. 1988 or so. Um, and so, I don't know. He really is not a good person in this. No. He is a horrible person. Even, like, even his way of trying to deal with the huge problem that he caused would have caused another pro- huge problem. Right. He dealt with his own selfishness and inability to negotiate by being selfish and not right. negotiating. Oh, because, like, oh, all right, so if his military assault works, what happens? Does he kill Karnas? Yeah. Okay, so if Karnas is killed, who takes power then? I Are know. they going to fight among each other over, like... Again, Iraq war! Uh, yeah, I know. Exactly! <laughs> yeah. Not that Karnas is a good guy. No, Karnas is not. He is Karnas still a villain. Saddam is yeah. not a good guy. Right. We're not saying that. But how do you deal with that? But how, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can't just like swoop in from the sky <laughs> and immediately think that, yeah. I, 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 I think I was saying to you that I swore at one point Jameson said we'd be greeted as liberators. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, but yeah, it, it does kind of seem to go against what, the prime directive is, which is making the harder choice, but the right choice. Right. And the choice that would take more work and more uh, responsibility on your part, but would in the end have the better outcome for everybody. And especially on the people on on that planet who who are defenseless and, uh, you know, would have to face the effects of, you know, something like a 40 year, Civil War. Yeah, which is disastrous on an economy, on on all sorts of things. Yeah, well, they mentioned several times. It's like they've only just now started to rebuild. Right, right. So Karnas has blamed Jameson this entire, and only him for this mm-hmm. entire time. He realizes that he actually shares most of the blame by the end, which right. is which is why that he agrees to free the host- uh, hostages. And uh, you know, I don't think that he has a change of heart and becomes like a good ruler. After no, that. I'm sure he's still an evil dictator, right? Of some but sort. he's not going to mess with Starfleet. No, right, and he's not going to pull them into the into the fight. Yeah. All right, Patrick. So this is a part of the episode, as you know, but I'm mm-hmm. telling the listener this is a part of the episode where we rate it. Uh, if it is set to kill, that means it was an amazing episode. You've got to watch it. You've got to tell all your friends about it. Set to stun. Hey, if it comes up in the queue, give it a watch. Leave it in the holster. Ah, skip this one. There's no point in watching it. What do you think, Patrick? Where did this land for you? Uh, you know what? I'm going to say, despite my misgivings with the terrible makeup, and I don't think that the actor for Jameson was good, I would say set to kill. Yes! <laughs> Finally. Yes! <laughs> it's good, right? It was a good episode. It was a good episode, but I, I, I'm saying that mainly just because I feel like it would be important to watch just to get the idea of how Starfleet operates and like what the whole point of the Federation and the Prime Directive is and what can go wrong when you don't follow it. Yeah. Uh, and also that they're humans. They're, they're fallible. Like, they can make dumb, bad decisions even though they're supposed to be this hyper-advanced society. Oh, yeah, dude. I agree with you so much. That said, man, that acting from Jameson took me out of it at times, especially when he was a puppet. 
at the beginning. Yeah. And that makeup was really bad. But luckily, that was only at the beginning of the episode, and it doesn't last very long. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I agree with you. I think that this episode has some very strong production shortcomings, right? Like, it is not well made. It's also TV in 1988. Yeah, and the budget is bad. Yeah, you can tell it's not well made. But it's well written, especially for season one. It's it's well written, it's well thought through, and it's the first time that we see humans with having conflict with humans. Yep. And I think that you will see a lot more of that, and that gets a lot better as the series goes on. And the Federation really is a huge, massive organization that is going to have problems. Yeah. Um, and this whole idea, I mean, John Champion, that's one of the reasons I read his letter at the beginning of this episode, talks about doing the right thing. In this episode, there is no clear right thing throughout most of it. And I think that that makes it a fantastic Star Trek episode because in life, in in diplomatic um, negotiations throughout our world, planet Earth, like it's so hard to tell what the right thing is and who's lying. Like when you think about North Korea, North Korea lies to their people so much. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of playing off of that same uh, insight, that same thought. And I thought it did a really good job of that. And it's one of the first episodes where we really get into um, a public commentary that Star Trek is so good at. Yeah. So I'm happy. I'm so happy that, that you set good. this one to kill. Yeah. yeah, I agree. If you like this one, man. Oh, there's some really strong stuff coming. Okay. Yeah. I believe you. Oh, I'm excited. I'm all I'm all riled up now. <laughs> I, you know, frankly, Patrick knows this. I had a pretty bad day today. Yeah. Uh, and this this podcast, this this brought me up. You setting that to kill brought brought me up at least four levels oh, of, wow. of uh of happiness. Well it was very close to set to stun, so Yeah, I know. I, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm happy about that. Well, Patrick, um, before we get out of here, what do you want to talk about? Uh, listen to this show. Please give us ratings on iTunes. And we're on Google Play. Google now? Play, yeah. All right, yeah. So listen to that. Listen to Politicked Off. That's the show that I have with uh, Zach Mast, where we just talk about some story in the news and have a wacky guest on. Uh, how do people get a hold of you? Patrick Winninger on Twitter. Yeah. Or on Facebook. Either, either one of those. Cool. And, of course, you can get a hold of me at Pat Likes a Tweet on uh, Twitter because Facebook is for noobs. Uh, go to peachpitstudio.com, uh, and if you fill out the contact form there, that's going to me, too. Uh, hello at Peach Pit Studio is a great way to get a hold of me. A lot of people have been asking me recently about how they can do a podcast, how they can get involved, how they can do some of the stuff that Peaches and Hot Sauce is doing. Uh, that is probably the best way. Uh, just get a hold of me. I, I, at least I'm the one who you can contact who will contact somebody else if it's something that we're interested in working on. Uh, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. All right. Let's see what's out there. Peaches. Hot sauce. 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 Got your peaches. Got your heart. Stop.